from KQED. From KQED Public Radio, I'm Michael Krasny. Welcome to this morning's forum. There have been at least four casualties in the LNU Lightning Complex in the North Bay. And meanwhile, the CZU August Lightning Complex in San Mateo in Santa Cruz counties is forcing some 50,000 people to evacuate, including the University of California Santa Cruz campus. We'll talk with KQED reporters covering these wildfires and talk about how and where to find the most up-to-date information about wildfires and evacuations. Then at 9.40, the coronavirus pandemic was already putting major emotional, mental, and economic strain on Californians. Now, raging wildfires are intensifying stress and anxiety. We'll discuss why people are on edge and how to cope. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. As three major fire complexes continue to scorch more than 400,000 acres across Northern California, we'll get an update on containment and evacuations for the North Bay's LNU complex fire and the San Mateo and Santa Cruz CZU complex fire. And we know a lot of listeners have questions about where to find wildfire information. So later in the hour, we're going to hear about where to go for the latest accurate, up-to-date information about fires, evacuations, and road closures. And joining us first is KQED reporter Raquel Maria Dillon. She's up near Guerneville reporting on the LNU complex fire. And Raquel, welcome. Glad to have you aboard. And sorry uh, that you have to see all of this uh, and are close up to it. I know it's been hard. Hi, Michael. Uh, it, it, right here where I am right now, it's not so bad. It's almost idyllic. You wouldn't know there was a fire except for the ash uh, sprinkling down and the smell in the air. But I do know that uh, further way, further up the road from where I am, uh, they lost some houses yesterday. So um, I'm heading that way to go see. Well, there were about 500 shelters, I believe, or structures, excuse me, at last count destroyed, and five lives have been lost in this fire. Uh, at this point, in fact, there are really tens of thousands uh, of homes that are still being threatened, aren't there? Yeah. Yes, um, and this particular fire, the Walbridge Fire, which is uh, bearing down on Guerneville, Rio Nido, and uh, Dry, Dry Creek Valley to the east, uh, that's uh, the center of concerns and a high priority for CAL FIRE today. And the issue is that the brush there, the forests, are, are very dense. It's oak woodlands that goes up in flame real quick, um, dense pine and uh, open uh, fields. And this kind of thing can really go up fast. Uh, and you know what? There isn't even any wind right now. Can you imagine um, what it's going to be like towards September, October? Ugh. Well, the fires are also running up there in different directions. I mean, it makes it very hard for the firefighters. Uh, nothing short of heroic again for these firefighters. But my heart goes out to them, particularly because it's just so difficult. Yeah, I spoke to a fire official spokesperson for CAL FIRE this morning, and he told me um, that he ran into a crew that was staying at a hotel uh, near Calistoga, and um, they had been on the fire for something like 72 hours. They had been there since the beginning of um, the the. I believe the Hennessy fire, which is the one in between Napa and Solano, the one that's also uh, uh, worked its way into Vacaville and Fairfield. They had been there since the beginning of this fire. That's just got to be exhausting. And they were only allowed to take their 24 hours off um, when they were relieved by other crews coming in from elsewhere in the state and, and from other states at this point. 
That's extraordinary what these firefighters, uh, I mean, just the heroism and the endurance. And you mentioned Hennessy, it's about 7% contained, but this is a complex of fires. We really don't have much containment other than Hennessy, do we? Correct. Uh, the Walbridge fire where I am is 0% contained. Um, and there's other fires all over the place. Um, this complex uh, spans five counties. Um, and I personally, I've been on three different sides of it in Vacaville, um, up in um, Pope Valley yesterday, and now here in Sonoma County. Um, and uh, each one is terrifying in its own way, uh, just the way that it's torn through the landscape. Um, and and taken out homes uh, here and there. And could you say something about the air quality now? It's not so bad, but you know this is always very cyclical with the uh, the, the fire behavior um, and the, and the wind. Um, uh, as you drive around the Bay Area, you see the the smoke settled very low in the valleys and uh, the the brown cloud. Um, but but uh, it's very patchy. It really depends on where you are and where I am right now. Not so bad. Could I ask you, I'm, I'm glad the air quality is not so bad, but about just the sense of, we do journalistic work, repertorial work, a lot of people don't realize we have to see things that are often very depressing, loss of life, loss of precious ecosystems, kind of hit you last night, didn't it? Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, I've covered a lot of fires and um, uh, it's uncomfortable and hot and my car gets smelly, but it's nothing compared to what the firefighters go are going through. Um, and it's nothing compared to what people who lose their homes or their family members go through. Uh, I, I think the other part of this, uh, those are all trage tragedies. And then there's this communal tragedy, which is the loss of some of these beautiful places, the, the uh, golden hillsides and, and the dense forests. Um, you know, thinking about Armstrong Redwoods down the road from where I am, uh, Big Basin Park. Uh, that's just, uh, everybody knows those places and it sort of hits you in a different way, even though I'm still reminding myself that people have died and, you know, uh, dream homes have been lost, homes of a lifetime have been lost, and uh, it's, um, it's just a very destructive force. And it's also very strange. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, what's gone wrong that we get this weird freakish lightning storm uh, at this, uh, and, and even before the the natural, the wind patterns pick up for this area. Uh, it, that's the scary part. We're talking with Raquel Maria Dillon, and uh, you've expressed that very well. Where are you going next? Um, sorry, you dropped out, but did you say where I'm heading next? Yes. Um, I'm heading down the road here. There's um, uh, a bridge, and I, I, I understand that firefighters are going to make a stand there and try to hold the fire to the west. Um, What's the other interesting part is last year the Kincaid fire burned to the east of here, east of Healdsburg, um, and now the fire is west of Healdsburg. You know these cities have been battered over over the years, um, and uh, the big difference is that I think there is half to a third of the number of firefighters on the fire this time. Three days into the into Kincaid last year. They had something like 3,000 firefighters, and now it's more like 1,000. Hopefully that will build over the day. Raquel, thank you so much for your report. I appreciate very much you being with us. You're welcome. Thanks. 
That's Raquel Maria Dillon. She's up near Guerneville reporting on the LNU complex fire. And joining us now is Hannah Hageman. Hannah Hageman is a Kroc fellow. That means that uh, NPR has awarded her a fellowship for journalism. And uh, she's up uh, reporting the CUZ fire for KQED and joins us from the city of Santa Cruz, where actually she's lived over the past seven years. And welcome, Hannah. Good to have you. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Good morning to you. And please update us on what you're seeing and what you're seeing right now. Yeah, so this complex is made up of a handful of major fires and dozens of smaller blazes. It's it's extremely destructive. Um, as of 6 a.m. this morning, the fire has grown to 50,000 acres. You know, that's over 78 square miles. It remains 0% contained and uh, 64,600 people overall from Santa Cruz and San Mateo counties have been evacuated. Um, it continues to burn. Last night, UC Santa Cruz residents and teachers and students were all evacuated. Officials said this morning 50 structures have been destroyed, but that's going to reach the triple digits. And it's a difficult fire to contain. I mean, all these difficult, all these fires are difficult to contain. But what specifically about this fire is so challenging as far as containment? Right. So in the Santa Cruz Mountains, where most of these blazes are concentrated at this point, um, you know, you have these really dense, beautiful forests of madrones, manzanitas, redwoods, oaks, Douglas firs. Um, those are all present really challenging fuels to contain for Cal Fire. Beyond that, you know, we haven't had a fire of this magnitude in the Santa Cruz area for at least a hundred years. Really, we've we've probably never seen anything of this magnitude in this area. Um, so yeah, officials have told me they've never seen anything like this in their decades long career. It's burning so hot, it's moving so fast. Uh, the terrain is also challenging. You know, we have these canyons and these steep ridges. So uh, it's quite challenging here. Can you also talk a, a bit, Hannah, about, I know you've talked to some of the evacuees, uh, women up uh, near Bonnie Dune, excuse me, and uh, people at the base uh, camp. What have they been saying to you? Yeah, pe people are shaken, you know, some people are seasoned, they've, they've had a couple of other fires, but again, nothing really quite of this magnitude. So a lot of these people have animals, they have horses, pigs, chickens, goats. So, you know, on top of getting everything else out, they're also trying to pack up their their livestock and get them to safety too. That's quite a challenge. Um, People are shaking. They're wondering if their homes have burned down. Like earlier, you know, firefighters are estimating there will be hundreds of structures lost. So I think there's some uh, frustration there, not knowing has my home burned down or not. Um, and you know, officials came out today and said we won't know that for weeks, and you can't come back for weeks. So um, people are people are really worried, and it's, it's been devastating. And let me ask you also if you could talk about, because I know, you, as I said, you lived in Santa Cruz for about the last seven years. Uh, how's this affecting the community? What kind of impact do you sense? Yeah, well, you know, I live on the west side and just for the last few days, the fires started on Sunday and, you know, it's been this, this sky of brown and gray and this hot pink sun and ash falling from the sky every day, but the air quality is horrible. Um, so even in the areas where 
we haven't been evacuated. Um, still, we're feeling the impacts. You know, my family, my godbrother and his his partner and their two year old staying with us. They had to evacuate their home and felt. Um, I mean, we're stressed. We're you know, dealing with this. And I think also what plays in. We all love the beautiful nature in Santa Cruz, the Redwoods, um, Big Basin, State Park. That is so beloved. I, I, I believe it's the oldest state park in all of California. Um, last summer, I saw an albino redwood there. Um, and that that will never, that won't be the same for quite some time. So I think the community and myself are also grappling with the fact that this nature, these forests we love, I'm not sure when they will recover or go back to normal. It's it's really sad. It is sad indeed. And Hannah, thank you for your reporting. I appreciate very much you being with us. Thank you. And uh, that's Hannah Hageman, Crock Fellow, who is reporting on the CZU Fire for KQED Radio. And it's an opportunity for you to report on what you are seeing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, questions you have about how to find the most uh, up-to-date information on wildfire and evacuations. We're going to get some people on to answer those questions, but I'd like to hear from listeners now in terms of what you're observing and what you're experiencing. And you can give us a call right now at our toll-free number and join the program. The number to call is 866-733-6786. That number again, 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about now how to find, as I indicated earlier, the most up-to-date wildfire information. And Michelle Wiley joins us to enlighten us on that score. She's a reporter with KQED. Michelle, welcome. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. I guess the place to begin with you is, uh, before we even get into how people can access information, especially real-time information, why is it so hard to get particularly evacuation information? People have been complaining about that ever since the fire started. Well, I think what people have to remember about these fires in particular, this it's it's difficult every season, but with so many fires starting at once, I think, you know, Cal Fire and other emergency services have been, uh, you know, work trying to work as fast as they can to get as much information out as possible, as quickly as possible. And that can often, you know, be hampered by a quick moving fire that is changing the landscape moment by moment. So I, I think when people have very real frustrations about knowing about evacuation orders and warnings, um, it's also that things are changing really quickly. And, and that's part of the reason it's been so difficult. Things are changing too, in terms of what's accessible. I know Cal Fire's online uh, maps have been downloaded on the app by many people and people have said both good and uh, critical things about them. There are the NOAA weather uh, reports, there's the Bay Area National Weather Service uh, Twitter alerts and Nixle and all of that. But now there's also, I'd like you to talk about this, this new partnership between uh, Google and Cal OES, the Office of Emergency uh, Division or Services. Uh, these are new wildfire maps. They're up to date. I don't want to sound like I'm giving an advertisement for them, but they were launched on Wednesday and they're pretty exciting. They give a lot of, of true onto the moment minute access. They're very helpful via satellite data. Right. So uh, the maps uh, are updated every hour and, and they're super easy to access. All you have to do is uh, put the name of the fire into Google, like the CZU uh, complex, and it'll 
populate with a map of the fire boundary in in sort of real time and as I said updated hourly. Uh, so this can give really good information on where the fire is as, as best we know and then I, I think it also supplements that by providing uh, emergency service information underneath that. So that can be a really great tool for some people who want to get an idea of where the fire is right now. But I think we should also remember the best place to get information on what's happening in your county is your county's emergency services website, those Nixle alerts that you mentioned, because the Google you know, algorithm is going to give you sort of the vast swath of information about the fire. But for your particular situation, it's always going to be best to look you know, in your neighborhood, in your county, uh, and to your Office of Emergency Services. And let's talk a little bit more, if we may, Michelle, about evacuation uh, and what to, for example, what to bring. I think we're going to post an article online about uh, what to have ready to go uh, in an emergency bag, especially with COVID in mind now. But can you break that down for us? Sure. So, you know, every year we talk about what you need to have in your go bag to be ready. You know, you want to make sure you have all your important documents. You want to make sure you have a change of clothes. You want to make sure that you have a uh, flashlight, things that you're going to need, um, medications, etc. But this year with the coronavirus, things are a little bit different, right? You also want to make sure that you have adequate masks. You also want to make sure that you're bringing hand sanitizer to keep yourself safe because, depending on where you end up uh, having being evacuated to, you might be in a setting with other people and you wanna make sure you're able to keep distance, keep yourself safe and keep yourself healthy um, so that you're not experiencing two crises at once. And let me bring a caller on. And by the way, if you have uh, something you'd like to ask, particularly about finding information in these uh, frightening times that we're in uh, with respect to the fires uh, and tying in COVID as well, the pandemic, please feel free to join the program. You can do that toll free again at 866-733-6786. We're talking with Michelle Wiley, who is a KQED reporter. And let's go to Andy in the East Bay, who's actually a fire captain. Andy, join us. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I just, uh, one opposite, you asked for observations. One observation, I, I majored in uh, biology in college with a little bit of a plant botany and fire uh, prone species in the West. And so a lot of this isn't a big surprise. As devastating as it is, you know, we continue to encroach on, um, you know, building subdivisions in, in the urban-rural interface deeper and deeper, and these forests are dependent on, um, you know, 7, 20, 50-year cycles of burning, and you can't really do that. Um, so we've suppressed fires so successfully for so long, and I think between that and climate change, it's coming back to haunt us a little bit. Uh, Having said that, now we're relying on, you know, different sources of technology to know where to go and when to go there. So, you know, I definitely for folks that are a little bit more technically averse, you can look at, you know, a lot of National Weather Service sites and see, well, what's the weather going to do today with respect to wind, relative humidity, um, temperatures? And then, you know, if you really want to dig, you can look at like infinite action plans um, that of what areas are going to be deemed as uh, red zones, if you will. And if you're in proximity to that, then, or you think that you should go, then maybe you should start packing and going. It's, uh, um, you know, there are a variety of sites out there um, between lightning trackers and wind trackers and weather trackers. And then you mentioned Google Maps and some of the more technical sites for that are a little bit more averse uh, or geared towards 
people who are know what they're looking for. Um, but it is there's not a, a one go to site. Uh, I think somebody mentioned going to your county site. I think that is the most reliable way to know if you need to get out and go. Yeah, Michelle mentioned that. And thank you for all that information, Andy. Much obliged uh, and good to hear from you. Here's uh, a listener named Mary. I'm going to go back to you, Michelle Wiley, uh, who asks, are there volunteer organizations finding temporary housing for people fleeing the fires? I'd be happy to host a family in my home and help them. Do you know, Michelle? You know, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of efforts there are to find housing for folks. I know that that's been a, a big conversation, especially with the coronavirus pandemic, is finding places for people to go. You know, we saw the Red Cross was going to start by trying to put fire evacuees into hotel rooms to make sure that they're isolated and, and sort of start there before putting people into settings with lots of others. But um you know, I'm not I'm not totally sure where you can go with that. But again, my recommendation would be to reach out to your county, reach out to uh, reach out locally and see what you can do in your neighborhood. You know, one thing that is really helpful you could do is kind of make an emergency plan with your neighbors. And if eventually you have to evacuate, it's great for everyone to be on the same page, sharing information so that everyone is, knows before they have to go. Yeah, that's excellent advice. In fact, uh, the, I mentioned uh, the advice that's been written up in terms of what to take and what to get ready with an emergency is on our website. And uh, some of the things they recommend are actually getting a contact person with a text out of state and making sure that you're updated in social media profiles on whether it's Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and also the Nixle alerts, uh, which you can actually get via text or voice messages or emails. Uh, but getting to know your neighbors even now. Uh, in the wake of all this is vital, I think, and, and of particular importance. I want to bring another caller on here. We've got Rob up in uh, in Vacaville. And uh, Rob, you called yesterday, I know, and you were talking about losing your home. And I was so sad to hear that. Uh, but you yeah. have more to say today. Uh, and I, get, I do. Yeah, please. Yeah, and thank you for thank you for letting me talk. And uh, I just want to, a couple of things that the previous caller just said. So uh, the ca fire captain, Andy, uh, Excellent point. So I had spent all day on, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, checking all these websites, trying to track the fires, seeing what's going on, seeing where we're going to go, because I knew at some point it's probably going to come to our property. But there was no sense of urgency given to us by really anybody about this situation. Like, I knew the fires were going to get there eventually, but uh, and we received a, a, a livestock evacuation warning text about two hours before the fire hit us saying, hey, prepare to get out. This may be coming at you. But, like, uh, evacuation warning text doesn't help me know that there's a fire two hours from my house is going to burn it down. Like it, there was no urgency given to us in any way, shape or form. And I tried checking all the resources available, all the fire maps, all the Twitter feeds, all the websites, updating them every four to six hours doesn't help me when the fire is an hour from my house and it's burning, it's going to burn it down. It's like, there's got to be a better way. There's a major failure here. And I understand the Cal Fire is doing everything they can with the situation. I get that. Those guys are amazing. They're on the ground. They're putting in the time, they're putting their lives on the line. And I totally respect that. But there's a failure from the top down here to get information out to people accurately, efficiently, and in a meaningful way that's going to save lives. Because it just didn't happen. It did not happen at all. When well, I had a sheriff come down the street 10 minutes before the fire was going to burn my house down, saying, get the hell out now. But, like, that's not enough notice. Well, we should have known days in advance or hours in advance it's going to happen. Yeah, you're coming across loud and clear, Rob, and I'm appreciative of your call and appreciative of the passion. And also, again, sorry for the loss that you've been through. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that we did invite uh, the Office of Emergency Services to join us for this segment. They declined. I want to thank Rob again and get another caller on. Go to Andy in Sebastopol. Andy, join us. 
Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, one concrete recommendation on the Nixle alerts, if whoever the powers may be, if you can color code the evacuation zones that have evacuation zone warnings or mandatory evacuations on the maps, it would be really helpful. There's just massive confusion on the subthreads on the Nixle alerts uh, with the opaque uh, text directions. Uh, you know, all the roads here are cow trails. To, so to say... Um, West of the Fort Ross Road is meaningless. It runs east. It ran. It runs east west. Uh, or to say uh, uh, west of the Russian River doesn't make any sense. It loops up and down and around, and it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. So you see again and again for the last four days confusion on what, where, who's under evacuation and who isn't. Um, and then secondly, just one point. I just went to. Google and I typed in Wallbridge Fire and no map came up. It wasn't, there was lots of news reports, but no maps came up. I went into Google Maps and did the same thing. I did a Google search for Wallbridge Fire maps. No, no Google Maps came up. And so uh, you need to goose your search, your, uh, uh, whatever, your search tags or whatever, so that they, they come up to the top. Um, but I thank you guys for your effort and uh, I'll go offline. Yeah, no, and I thank you for the call. I want to go back to you, Michelle, particularly on the Google Maps. We did talk about the Google Maps. Uh, he seems to be having problems. Uh, any thoughts of you uh, or anything that you can tell us contemporaneously to what's going on with those maps? You know, I, I'm not uh, totally sure what is going on. I'm looking at it right now. Um, and as far as I can tell, the three largest complex fires appear to be in there. But when I look up the Wallbridge fire, I, I also don't get taken to a map. So, um, I mean, this might just be a gap in services that we're seeing. And it's a fairly new system. So it's possible that that's why there's a, sort of a gap in coverage there. But it's definitely something worth asking about for this program. Well, we're getting certainly listeners asking about a lot of things. In fact, here's a listener, and I want to get your response, Michelle, who says, only a few years ago, I had the option of having a landline. I used to get phone calls from PG&E with updates, even when the power was out. If there is no electricity, there's no Internet. We need alternatives beyond the Internet for information. Hear, hear on that, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the recommendations they often give for these alerts is uh, actually to use a radio that can provide those sorts of emergency alerts that you can use if you don't have internet. But I, I think that's a totally fair critique uh, to say, you know, especially in a situation like this that is dynamic, that is dangerous, that uh, affects so many people's lives, we need to have better solutions and we need to have solutions that, you know, can really assist everyone, whether they're connected to the internet, whether they have a landline, whether they have a radio or not. Let me read a couple of uh, comments from listeners. Here's a tweet from a listener who says, by the time Nixle goes off, you're already late. The Cal Fire Twitter has rapid updates, but aren't written by people versed in communications. And a question from Nancy again about Google Maps. She simply wants to know if you can repeat how to access the Google Fire Maps. She just tried putting the name of a fire into both Google and Google Maps and didn't get a fire map. Right. I, well, I think what listeners are uh, experiencing here is clearly uh, something that is not entirely coming through in the system. But uh, 
what I did to find the fire map is I went to Google, I plugged in the LNU complex. That's a simple, I'm doing it right now. And the first thing that comes up, it says LNU lightning complex fires. If you scroll down, there's a map of the affected areas. So that's how I found it. Uh, I, I'm not sure if every fire is on there. It's just the largest fires, but that's what I'm seeing uh, right now. Well, it was just launched on Wednesday. Uh, let's hope they get their act together. Uh, let me get another caller on here, though. Anthony joins us from Angwin. Anthony, welcome. You're on the air. Good morning, Michael. Long-time listener. Um, I work in San Francisco. I live in Angwin. Um, you know, for the week, I've been listening to uh, the Hennessy Fire, what's happening, uh, which is actually uh, southeast of, east of us, you know. And then um, we, in Angwin, which is where I live, uh, we have what's called the Napa Firewise Council, where we get together uh, periodically and discuss, uh, you know, tactics that uh, the community can do to protect their property. And, and during this last week, I was watching all my neighbors up on the roofs, leaf blowing, clearing their gutters, clearing their roof, clearing their property 20, 30 feet away from their house. I got home on Thursday. I'm coming up the hill in Angwin, and I see a cloud of smoke. And I'm going, well, I'm, to my right is the Hennessy fire. What fire am I looking at in front of me? Turns out there was another fire that, that was coming up through Pope Valley, I wasn't even aware of, and I'm, I get next next alerts all the time. So that's one comment. And the other one is is that when I was evacuated Thursday evening, uh, I was uh, my wife and my daughter left our house earlier in the day. I stayed to kind of make sure that the house was prepared, and I went into the town of Angwin, the gas station, there to kind of check on where the fire was. And there's five or six law enforcement there. And they're going to get ready to start the evacuation. I did not see one piece of firefighting equipment, a firefighter, a plane, helicopter. Nothing was in the air. Nothing was on the ground. It has it, it's as if I understand Cal Fire and everybody is extremely overwhelmed, but it was under the, I was under the impression that we were kind of like left on our own. Just let it burn through, and what happens is going to happen. Uh, That's my comment. Well, thank you for that, Anthony. Sorry to hear uh, I should also mention that Jameson Weiss, our intern, tells me that on those Google Maps, uh, apparently you have to type the name of the fire in order to get results. And a number of listeners are weighing in here on other ways to get information. Sandra, for example, writes, we've been following the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, which has satellite maps updated frequently. Another listener writes, San Francisco Chronicle has an interactive map that allows you to zoom on counties and specific fires. You may want to check that out. Uh, Rosemary says the Cal Fire site now includes alphanumeric codes in their evacuation orders. Uh, what are those and where are they defined? Do you have an answer to that perhaps, Michelle? I, I think I'd have to look at the specific evacuation zones that uh, that she's referring to. I would, if I was to guess, and I, this is just a guess, generally CAL FIRE has a map of the fire area that is broken up into those zones and you can often access that on their instant reports. Um, but again, this is just speculation. I'd have to look at exactly what she's referring to, to know, uh, to kind of give more guidance. And and I think that speaks to, again, like other listeners have said, um, a very, what feels to be a very confusing, you know, flurry of information with uh, sometimes directions 
uh, like, you know, west of a river, east of a highway that that is not as helpful in real time when you're trying to decide, do I need to pack up everything and leave? And, you know, you mentioned uh, maps of the fire. I should mention that we at KQD also have a map of the fires. You can go to our homepage, kqd.org, and find that map, uh, which will give you updates. It also updates hourly. And here's Catherine who writes, please let people know that they can help by not going to the beaches for the foreseeable future. All roads to the coast are needed for firefighting and evacuations. Uh, thank you for that, Catherine. And uh, we are coming up on a break. Uh, let me first of all, thank you, Michelle Wiley. Good to have you with us. Thank you. That's Michelle Wiley, who is a reporter for KQED. And you can find information on our website again, what to pack in your emergency bag with COVID-19 in mind. And with COVID-19 in mind, we're going to come back and talk to well, somebody who has some advice as far as dealing with all that we are besieged by now. And I'm talking about not only the fires, but the pandemic. And also uh, talk about, uh, well, we'll have a couple of guests speaking to that, the, the, the two things that we are enduring here, but there are more than two. Those are the two main ones, the fires and the pandemic. Stay tuned. That's up ahead. I'm Michael Krasny.